0: Think of your ideal client right now, or whether it's that cause, whether it's for your business, and think of what emotion do you want them to feel or what action do you want them to take after you got done with a presentation or a Facebook Live or just a one-on-one conversation, whether that's a two-minute in the elevator or a 45-minute keynote, cool. Right. Once you know where you want them to go, that's where I work with people backwards and we sit and go, cool, let's find the story that we know this is the emotion. That we want at the end and that's yeah. what's going to move
1: people this is better wealth with caleb williams coach nice, jimmy, jimmy is in the building our virtual building how's it going
0: dude i'm here the virtual building i'm stoked to be here I've been looking forward to this all day man
1: man i have as well and it's so interesting because we could literally talk about anything. I want to give you just a little bit of context to my audience. So we met at an Adventure Reach. For those of you that don't know what Adventure Reach is, it's essentially a program that I've invested in to help me be a better speaker, to win stages, to really take story and take it into a signature talk and be able to communicate it to the next level. And I can confidently say when I first got involved with Adventure Reach, I, I was just me and another guy, now we're in almost all 50 states, and every time I speak on a podcast, it's just really powerful how Pete and just y'all have really changed the way that I viewed my life. Now, you're not directly like working for Advance Your Reach, but you're such an amazing speaker and a great friend that you're like working with them, and we got connected through that, and you just have so much energy, and you have a ton of passion and an amazing story. So what I want to do, man, is I want to capture a little bit of your story, but then- one of the things that you and I were both on the same page, because this podcast is called Better Wealth. Right. I one hundred percent believe if we can learn how to communicate, regardless if you're an entrepreneur, if you're a homeschool mom, if you're someone in the workforce that wants a raise, like there right. is power in being able to craft a story. And I know that you are the expert at this. So. With that, I don't know if there's anything, I, I don't read bios because I can't read, number one, and I mess it up. I don't know if I missed anything, but I just I would love to get a little of your backstory and then let's jump into like the nuts and bolts on how my listeners can get the secrets on how they can craft their own story. Kind of tease it as a seven, you, you believe everyone has a seven-figure story. I love that, dude.
0: I really do. When you talked about better wealth, and, and I appreciate this and I agree, I think bios are overrated and just the way I feel resumes are overrated, but- it all comes back to someone's story because that's what a resume is, right? It's somebody's life story. And my story, this whole thing, I'm telling you, it started in the first grade. And people don't believe me, but I say in the first grade, I was exposed to the greatest addiction of my life. And I always get funny looks when I say that. And it's just because it's a simple little, the first grade, I grew up in West Texas. I live in Dallas, Texas now, but I grew up in Lubbock, Texas and West Texas. And I was a little fat kid from a broken home and in the early 80s. There wasn't really a childhood obesity epidemic. I was the fat kid in my class, and I kind of was the kid with divorced parents in my class, so I was always a little bit alienated, but that year, I remember the entire elementary school where we were doing a, like a Christmas play in my first grade class. We got picked to do a Christmas musical number called Too Fat for the Chimney. And it was this ripping story, of Santa Claus, and how he had gotten too fat for the chimney and nobody was going to get gifts. And so being the fat kid in class, I thought, okay, yours truly, I'm going to be Santa Claus. And no, like I couldn't even land that part. Like they gave the role to my buddy, Justin Martin, who was the skinniest kid in class. And they put a bunch of pillows around him. And then all my other friends... They used to be like these Jane Fonda fitness videos in the 80s where they'd have like leg warmers and headbands. They put all my friends in those outfits and what they did is they stuck them upstage and they had all of them and Justin as Santa Claus doing like an aerobic step number. Yours truly, little fat, insecure Jimmy, they put in like feety pajamas, like the onesie zip up feety pajamas with a little stocking cap and like the drop bottom at the butt and my granny made this thing for me and they pushed me out to the edge of the stage. And they had me sing a solo, sing the song, Too Fat for the Chimney. But something magical happened in that. My, my mouth opened, scared to death. My mouth open. I start singing this song. And I get a smile and a nod. And I was hooked. And I was like, oh. This is the first time I've got a positive response from a peer group. And this insecure little kid that didn't know where his place in life was, that just felt safe and it was home and it was amazing and torturous at the same time because the only problem about knowing really early in your life what you're supposed to do with the rest of your life is like, okay, God designed me for this, is when you immediately have a list in your head of why you can't do that. Yeah, totally. I don't have the right skills. I can't get the right training. I'm fat. I come from a broken home, whatever those things are. And really what happened was... I mean, I even hate to say this, but it started me on this journey of kind of bitterness where I got really good at being this victim and pointing at other people of like, gosh, I know I'm designed for this, but I can't have success. And let me tell you all the reasons why. And these people that are having success, let me explain to you why it's easier for them. And and I didn't realize that's what it was until much, much later in life with a lot of personal growth. I couldn't even have the money for me to audition for the colleges I wanted to go to or, do you know get the training that i wanted to go so i always felt like i was the underdog i always felt like woe is me and i really had this kind of eeyore victim mentality yeah and it wasn't until i finally kind of took control of my life in my mid-20s you know i so this starts this struggle and my early 20s my mom calls me and says you know, we're getting all the, the, the credit card bills. You know, talk about better wealth. I was on the other side. I had maxed out three credit cards by this point. And my mom's like, hey, we're worried about you. You need to come home. So in my early 20s, I found myself as a hundred pound overweight, three time college dropout that mm-hmm. had to move back at home with mm-hmm. my parents. And I knew she was right, but it just sucked. And I was living back at home. And I remember there was a morning that I was getting ready. I would stopped trying to perform altogether. I'd given up on my dreams. I was waiting tables and bartending. And I stepped out of the shower one day and normally, you know, a hundred pounds overweight, you don't spend a lot of time in front of the mirror. You just kind of tell up and move on. And man, for whatever reason that day, I just sat and looked at myself in the mirror and I didn't respect the person looking back at me. And I thought, who's going to love this? Who wants this, this person in their life? And it was in that moment that I was like, look, Jimmy, if you don't change, this is life, dude. Yeah. And I think it was the first time I took some personal responsibility instead of, oh, my circumstances, why, or they have it easier. Everything doesn't change overnight immediately then, but that started the journey. That started me on being open to doing things differently or thinking about things differently in order to get a different result. And it really was where I started taking control of my health and fitness and my personal development and leaning into... Well, ultimately, what I learned in my acting career and what led me to New York City and doing national tours and being on network TV and being in two of the biggest home fitness videos ever and really having a successful acting career was that was all just prepping me to realize that our stories, even in this struggle part, the cool part of your story doesn't mean anything without the part that I just shared with you, right? And that's where I really do believe everyone has a seven-figure story if it's well-crafted And usually we're always so we're too close to our story or we think we need this big, we need the hundred pound weight loss story or the million dollar story to have an impact. And we don't. And the people that I work with in in one-on-one coaching and in workshops is I show them how their story right where they are today, not 50 pounds from now, not $50,000 from now, like where they are right now, they're a few steps ahead of somebody else. There's a power in that story. And really, if we learn how to tell our stories really well, we can move people to join our business, to join our cause, to change the world. And, and that's where I really feel like I was meant to be put. I was put on this earth to help people tell their stories better.
1: Thank <laughs> you so much for like going back. You've had a pretty successful career and still in, in, involved in, in Beachbody. And I know that there was a, a pretty unique story that even got you in that game. I want to go back to like the mindset, the victimhood. Yep. Yep. You mentioned the word result because is it not true when you were you know in high school and and struggling like what kind of mindset did you have like you talked about having a victim mindset did you blame other people for like your weight and your unhappiness
0: i didn't blame people necessarily for my weight well, you know what i guess to a piece i'm like look this is what my mom feeds me or i can't afford a trainer or we don't have i remember back then it was all about pieces of fitness equipment it was like I can't afford the ab roller or whatever was the, we couldn't get a Nordic track in the house, you know, if I kind of date myself and where I was, you know, (laughs) high school wise in early mid 90s or whatever. And so I think there was always a, in my head, a reason. It wasn't an excuse, but I just, reasons are just well disguised excuses, right? We all have a reason, right? Of where we aren't where we want to be in our life. And so absolutely that there was, whether it was the weight, whether it is why I wasn't popular or, you know, you named the thing I could give you. I was, what I realized, I was probably a pretty good storyteller all my life because I had a story to explain yeah. to you why I was where I was and why it wasn't my fault. So absolutely.
1: Yeah. Or have you always been naturally funny? Because every time every time I'm in a room, it's a good thing I have a lot of self-security because you steal the show every time. Everyone oh. everyone wants to talk to you. Your table's never empty like because you're just a very life-giving person.
0: I appreciate that. I think some of the things i had to develop as my personality was because i wasn't going to get by on physical attributes right so in high school somehow i charmed my way into i literally sat at the lunch table with all these gorgeous popular girls that all looked like they were in their mid 20s in high school somehow and i remember all the like i would get guys in the, in the hall and be like hey why are you sitting with how are you sitting with them, how are you sitting with them? But it wasn't all it was cracked up to me. Love these girls. They were amazing. But I'm sitting here about all their dating woes and stuff, and then I will never forget it. One of the girls, we we're talking about this, and, and I don't know, I made some comment, or like, oh, that's okay. Like, I was always the nurturer and the funny, fat friend or whatever. And she leaned into me. She's like, gosh, Jimmy, someday I just want to meet a guy just like you. I remember it like it was yesterday, and you might as well rip my heart through my chest because I was like, well, if you will. Like, how do you respond to that? And I knew, I know she didn't mean. I mean, she meant it the way she meant it. Was I want to find a non-fat guy who treats people the way you treat yeah. them? But again, I did not know this. Yeah. This was God's funny little sense of humor. Like Jimmy, I have to put you in this shell here so you'll develop these other skills. So later, when the outside looks different, you have these skills. You care about people. You can empathize with people no, I don't want to put all people in this bubble, but there are certain people who have been physically gifted their entire lives. Yeah. They yeah. never have to develop those skills or they, right. they, it's hard or to even IQ, somebody. like
1: myself as an example, I had friends that were a lot smarter than me, but they got lazy yeah. because they didn't have to work their brain. And then
0: they right. hit Absolutely. college
1: and they're like, oh man, like I can't just wing it anymore and couldn't make it through college because they didn't, they didn't develop a work ethic when it comes to studying.
0: That's a great point. I think all of us, our greatest strengths can become our greatest weaknesses because we can get lazy with it. We take it for granted. I see that all the time with the speakers that I work with. There are some people that are really naturally amazing speakers that aren't willing to practice and they hit a ceiling, you know, because at some point they're like, Oh, I can just, when I was performing, people that had that, I would sing and perform with that had amazing voices. They could roll out of bed at six in the morning after a night of drinking and just sound like an angel But their careers never really went where you thought they would go because that work ethic never followed them because they just thought, oh, I can just show up. You can to a certain level, but when you're talking about making a big difference and we're talking about being a professional and raising the bar and doing things globally – you have to. The work ethic somewhere has to come along with it and match the talent.
1: So one of the things that we were, we're big on over here is number one that you are your greatest asset. So the number one investment you should be making isn't in yourself. And and with that comes clarity. And yeah. it's funny I talk a lot about R O R standing for return on result because I think oh, a lot my, of times yeah. we don't set up our life, our time, our resources in a way that is ultimately gonna like give us the life that we want. So what I'm really curious is you had that moment, you looked at yourself in the mirror and you're like, like this is not okay anymore. And it obviously you you didn't lose all the weight the next day. Yeah. What what was that path? And and obviously you started name dropping and, and saying like, hey, I was here to there, like yeah. where you are now, which that's it's can be a little overwhelming when you look at that. What was that progression? And then what I want to do after is I actually want this to be a master class on how people can listen and really be able to craft their story.
0: I'm glad you're backing up there because what I do, what I want to tell people is that moment in the mirror, you know, there was no lightning crash. I did not wake up motivated every day after that. I still don't. It's a process. It's a muscle you have to learn. What I did is I started with what do I have at my disposal right now? Right. I can get up and walk around the block. I can, before I could invest in anything. But then where the mindset shifted was uh, there was a guy that I was waiting tables with who I saw losing weight and never before, especially like I always tell the women that I work with, I'm like, I envy you guys because you, they do such a great job of sharing. Hey, you look great. What are you doing? Oh, that shirt, this thing's luck. And they're real shirt. We as guys, we don't roll up next to our buddy and be like, yo, you're looking great in those pants, Billy. Like, what have you been doing? Like we don't say stuff like that. However, I watched this guy continue to lose weight and it was making me mad. And I finally was like, all right, his name is Jeremy. And I'm like, Jeremy, what's going on? He's like, yeah, dude, I'm doing these DVDs. And I am like, nope. It's so funny. We see somebody getting the results we want in whatever area of life. Yeah. We ask what they're doing. They tell us and we immediately say no or why it won't work yeah. for us. Oh, that won't work for us. Like we're only asking because we want them to tell us something that we're comfortable doing. Which if we were already comfortable doing it and it was already going to work, wouldn't it have already worked? Yeah. So what changed for me in that mirror moment later is when somebody brought something up that wasn't my norm or something that I was probably open to in the past, instead of immediately saying no, or why this won't work, I was like, let me try. Let me see. Let me see if I am I willing to invest in an in-home fitness program. Same thing when I started my business and I had a mentor that told me I can tell you all the steps, Jimmy, but until I can get you to change the way you're thinking and challenged me to start reading 10 pages of personal development a day, which I initially pushed back on because I just thought it was a bunch of bull. I was like, I don't want to listen to a bunch of raw, raw self-help. And now it's so part of my morning routine. It's what I start every day with because I think I have to attack my mind before my mind attacks me every day. That's been a bigger piece of the process than the physical journey. And so when you talk about that, it was just the willingness, instead of saying that's too expensive, it is this return on result A return on investment is, okay, I don't have a lot of money right now, but what can I spend that maybe I do have or what can I give up to put something in? And the other thing that really, I think the shift was is when I started investing in things for myself physically or mentally or business training later, that really was out of my comfort zone or I had to stick on a credit card or something. I put a lot of pressure on myself to be like, okay, if I'm gonna make this investment, I better do the work. I mean, I get asked that all the time, whether it's fitness oh, is that worth it? Is that supplement worth it? Is that fitness worth it? Is that masterclass worth it? Is that business training worth it? I'm like, that's up to you. Yeah. That's not up to the instructor. Because I feel like even if you have a poor instructor or you don't get everything you thought you should get from them, if you use 20% of the information you get from that person, you're going to shift. You're going to get something. And most people don't. You know, how many of us have a thousand online courses that are sitting like on a shelf or in our inbox? Exactly. They never, yeah, we're so, like, oh, that there's
1: so much, work. man. There's they're so, I had a change in perspective the other day. I, I talked to somebody, we were talking about an event and I was just like, so like, what can I get out of this? Yeah. And the person shifted my perspective and they're like, you should be thinking about what you can give because mm. givers attract. Isn't that true? It's like yeah. sometimes when you're the instructor and you're giving, giving, giving you're the ultimate beneficiary. You're the ultimate person that's receiving out of that. I've seen that on mission trips. I've seen that almost across the board. And so it's just a, a nugget as you're, as you're going through. You were willing to lean into the result. And it was that just kind of like a very common theme in, in your story as you're getting results is like yeah, you find someone I- that has something that you want and you actually put in the work.
0: I think somewhere along the way, what I started doing is I'm willing to bet on me. Because even in the midst of being this victim, I felt I had a good work ethic. I feel like I would try. I just had created this like me against the world. Yep. Kind totally. of. Yes. I mean, some people lean into that and use it. And I had to finally like, let go of that. But when it came to these things, I was like, I'll bet on me. I was like, yeah. Yeah. and then again, as I opened my mind to personal development and I heard about what kind of return there was on investing in yourself more than anything else. Like you control that a thousand percent or you can't necessarily control the market or other things that you can invest in, you control a thousand percent how much you put into the things that you and so then there was this shift. I kind of became obsessed with it. I was like, oh, what else can I do? What's the name? And it was all these baby steps. First it was fitness, then it was food. Then it was being willing to start a business, even though I was a three-time college dropout at had zero business, you know, background. I always thought, well, don't you have to have gone to college or I even told, it's ironic, the first time I was ever introduced to maybe doing some kind of business, I'm like, I'm not a salesperson, I'm just an actor. And now when I sit and tell stories to people like, oh, you're a really good salesperson. No, I just really am good at like transferring my emotion to somebody else. And that comes back to the storytelling piece. And I didn't realize that was the tactic. It was something that just came natural to me. And it wasn't until somebody pointed out, can you teach me to do what you just did? And I was like, what did I just do? And I was yeah. like, oh, there are thousands of, And I golly, I, I really want the person listening to this to tap into this. The thing you see somebody else do that you're like, wow, that just comes natural to them, or that's super easy. I know you mean that as a compliment, but there are thousands of hidden hours that that person put into something to make it look yeah. effortless. And what I realized was, oh, all these hidden hours inside a theater or on on a set or studying scripts or directing or whatever the things that I was doing as I was going through college and then in New York taking private classes I didn't realize I was going to a business master school like that was my master's degree to set me up because I didn't know that's where the market was about to go yeah. I didn't know we were all about to start carrying around movie studios in our pockets yeah And so what didn't turn out exactly the way I wanted it to in my acting career was totally setting me up to not only be successful in my own business, but start teaching other people how regardless what their product or their service or their cause was, I could help them get an audience to move. It goes back to first grade Jimmy singing. He got an emotional response from a peer group. When we become great storytellers, All we're doing is ensuring that we get an emotional response. Think of your ideal client right now, or whether it's that cause, whether it's for your business, and think of what emotion do you want them to feel or what action do you want them to take after you got done with a presentation or a Facebook Live or just a one-on-one conversation, whether that's a two-minute in the elevator or a 45-minute keynote. Cool. Once you know where you want them to go, that's where I work with people backwards and we sit and go, cool, let's find the story that we know this is the emotion that we want at the end. And that's, yeah. what's going to move people.
1: So what I want to do is I want to transition into finding that seven figure story. Cause I really do believe there are seven figure stories in people listening to this. Some people might have a six figure story. Some people might have a nine figure story, but yeah. the point is if we can craft that great things will happen. So talk, walk us through, let's make this a masterclass. If you're driving, don't, keep driving or pull off to the side. But if you're watching this on YouTube, if you're listening, like this is where you get your pen and paper out and walk us through like how to make this happen and what kind of questions and what's the framework. I'm a fan of frameworks. I know from that, then there's a lot more that can come.
0: One of my, a a quote that I was re reminded of today was from Peter Guber who, and he says, stories have the unique power to move people's hearts, minds, feet, and wallet, right? And so it just depends on what you want someone to do. And in a story, the aim is someone's heart. So often we're aiming at statistics. We're aiming at their head. We're like, we're going to hit them with facts and figures and what our product or service does. And that's not what we want to think of what's going to move people's hearts. And in a good story, you need to show me how, number one, you're exactly like me. How are we the same, right? If I came out here and led with my story about hey, I'm in these Insanity DVDs, and at one point in my life, I had 6% body fat, and I've earned seven figures there. You may go, awesome, Jimmy, but you're like, that guy doesn't yeah, understand me.
1: Totally. And to be honest, this is actually something that I've been working on with my story because some people will hear me speak and go, like, I don't feel like I can relate to you. Exactly. But when I share my story of, like, not being able to read and, and like, an embarrassing moment and me working through and the and the – solutions that you find your weaknesses growing up become your greatest strength. It makes me more human. And I'm sure that's the exact reason. And, and you don't lie, but it's, trust me, we all have humanizing stories in, in our yeah. past or even in our future. So, uh, so it can't if, be that hard.
0: If you think, like, if I made you sit and have a list of like, tell me all the awesome stuff about you. Like, tell me the 10 greatest things about your cool stories. And you wrote all those down. I'm like, cool. Those aren't the story you want to tell. Tell me the one that kind of sucked or where you were embarrassed or felt stupid or that time you like fell in your face. It's the same reason we watch a movie. We don't start the movie that the guy got the girl and it's happily ever after. Yeah. If there's a reason that in the first scene of most Tom Cruise movies, he's getting punched in the face or the girl got stolen or something went wrong because all of a sudden we're like, oh, we're, we're rooting for them. And so often people aren't willing to be vulnerable in their stories, but we're root for Rudy. We root for the underdog. We root for the guy, Rocky. We root for those pers- people. And so when I tell you about first grade, fat little Jimmy coming from a broken home, you're like, God bless him. I hope, I hope he makes it through this, right? Like we're immediately <laughs> drawn to that. So, and again, it can be the simplest of stories, but I need to know why you're exactly like me, why you struggled with the same thing I've struggled with before. Yeah. Because you want your audience so really, at some point, even if it's not the exact same story, right, so I can tell you my story about overweight, college dropout, all these things, and you may have never had a weight problem, you may have soared through college. But what you find is there's some spot in everyone's life where they felt like they should have been further along than they were, or they felt like they weren't going to be able to succeed because of some outside thing. And so if you tell a good story, somebody's going to find themselves in your story, if I tell you a story about my mom and what we went through, really, at the end of the day, you're thinking about your mom, not my mom. Yeah. you in the story. And so it's really important, number one, that we become super relatable and vulnerable in that story. Then somewhere in the story, I need to know that you overcame the problem. Not that you're perfect. Like when yeah, I work the, a
1: lot the Step number one life, is exactly like me, vulnerability, relatability, which, by the way, males, harder to do.
0: It's harder to do for guys. But guys that do it, the line forms to the left of people that will follow them got men that are willing to be vulnerable and i think there's a different way sometimes that men and women show vulnerability but mm-hmm. i'm telling you it's that guy that goes man this is when my ass was on the line and things didn't go yeah. well or this was where i messed up and I, I let somebody down and willing to kind of show the wound a little bit one of my favorite examples of this did you ever see eight mile with m&m
1: no, but I've, I'm very aware. Okay, so,
0: it, so for people that don't know the story really quickly, at the end of it, he's getting into another rap battle, and his buddy's like, dude, this guy's going to talk about how you lost your job and lost your girlfriend and all this bad stuff about you. Like, what are you going to do about that? And Eminem freezes for a second, and then he goes first, and he talks about all that yeah. stuff first. And think about this. When's the last time somebody was vulnerable? And somebody's like, well, I couldn't share that. They're going to judge me. Think about this for a second. When's the last time somebody – shared something vulnerable about themselves with you, and you judge them.
1: I'm telling you, man, in college, I started this thing with another friend of mine called the Purity Project.
0: Yeah. And it was
1: exactly on help, help guys that struggled with some really embarrassing things. Yeah. Guess, guess what? We shared our story. Yeah. We shared well, our why. like
0: me first, right? And then...
1: And I'm telling you, I had random guys come up to me in college, share with me things that they've never shared before. Yeah. Why? Because they... Saw me either through a computer screen or get up in front of them and share some things that, you know, like part of my life is part of my story, but right. it's like it created that trust. So, number one, exactly like me, I'm 100% in agreement. Yep.
0: Number two, somewhere where you've figured it out, you've made some progress. Yeah. So, what I was just gonna say, so the example with health and fitness coaches that I've worked with in the past is they'll be like, oh, Jimmy, I still have 50 pounds to lose. I could never coach or help somebody. I've only lost 40 pounds. And I'm like, whoa, time out. You're a rock star. You've lost 40 pounds or you've lost 10 pounds. You're a rock star to the person sitting on their couch has just been thinking about this. So again, it's not about I've made a million dollars or I lost a hundred pounds or my story not being big enough. In fact, sometimes the smaller the story, one of the ladies I worked with, she was she was starting a side business. She's like, Jimmy, I don't feel like I have made enough money to get enough clients. And I said, I said, tell me an example of some money that you've made with this side hustle. She's like, oh, that's easy. She's like, me and some of my girlfriends, we go get our hair and our nails done with our side hustle money every Thursday so we don't have to take it out of the family fund. I was like, pause. I said, so you have no mom guilt taking time away from husband and kids to go pamper yourself You're not taken out of the family fund because you created this thing on the side. She's like, yeah. I'm like, that's a million dollar business. I said, you know how many women would just want to make just enough little money on the side to take that away? And so that's a perfect example of what some people may seem as a small, insignificant story really being powerful enough to move thousands, (laughs) if not millions of people, because not everybody's looking to yeah. solve a mountain of a problem, how can you help them solve that little yeah. one that's just been annoying? So that step two is, how have you figured something out? How are you a little bit extraordinary that you're a couple steps ahead of me that I at least right. figured out something that I'm struggling with?
1: Just based off my story as well, I went on a journey and learned some things and have a conviction that like, yeah. I have a moral obligation to share this with you. Definitely is that. So number three, so you got to be somewhat ordinary and give share some vulnerability and they've got to be like, got to be attracted to that number two you've got to at least figure it out if fat jimmy was trying to teach me how to lose weight yeah. and had no results for himself it you would have no confidence and it would just be kind of a weird thing so there's got to right. be some kind of transformation but what you're saying is it doesn't need to be you don't need to have this amazing transformation like it, no. the little yeah. things can almost be more relatable
0: jimmy 15 pounds into his weight loss journey could have started helping somebody yeah. else. Yeah. I probably didn't realize that at the time. And then the third one, you just touched on it. You said, I have a moral obligation to pay this for it. I need to know why this is important to you. Why is this more than just your business? Why is this more than just a paycheck? Why is this something that you have made it your mission to do? For you, you just said, I felt like I have a moral obligation. I feel selfish in life. I think of the people that shared the tips with me, I shudder to think, where would my life be had this the different individuals that challenged me or shared just a little they shared their secrets, right? They shared their steps with me. And I'm so grateful to those people. The way that I can ensure that that I can help others is by I feel this obligation. Like you want to live forever, learn something, change what you've done, teach it to somebody else, and then teach them how to teach it. Because yeah. this is where we out, this is where legacy comes in. And now this is where I'm at at this point. It's not about how can Jimmy's results get better. It's, man, how do I take somebody at the beginning of that journey? Or that start, maybe they're not, they've had that in the mirror moment, right? This enough is enough moment. And now they're open to being coached, being prodded, being yeah. challenged to think and do some things a little differently. And that, so if you can find a story that kind of encapsulates that, and again, you know, in a three to five minute story, and that's what we do. And so sometimes it's about going through a memory jogger. Like I have a checklist that your audience can is welcome to have that will take you through tell me the story about your worst date, your best date, your first car, all these things that seem silly. Oh, nice. like and a then story we journal them, kind of deal. We take them through like a story memory jogger, and okay. then there's a checklist after that to go, "Oh, I never thought of that time you get my car stuck in a ditch." actually has anything to do with me as a real estate agent or me, you know, the time that I missed the game-winning shot has something to do with me as a financial advisor or whatever, and so one of the things that we do as I start working with people is then we take these personal stories, these things from our childhood or growing up, and then how do we tie that to our product and service? Why is what we do exactly like that? So if I came in and said, hey, I'm a speaking coach, what does that have to do with first grade Jimmy in a Christmas musical? But if I can tell the whole story, yeah. you understand why it's important to me. Yeah. You understand the emotion I had on the stage at first grade and why I get to relive that moment when I see somebody that I coached and work with jump on a Facebook live or get on a podcast and share that story and somebody else is impacted. I get to relive what little Jimmy relived all over again because yeah. it's like, ah, oh, we impacted somebody.
1: That's extremely powerful, man. So, number one, thank you for being on here and sharing that. Is there anything else as it relates to story? Like, so pretty much the framework is relatability. It's you figured it out, and then there's got to be some kind of moral obligation, the why, and you got to be able to articulate that. And what your whole deal is, you have to lead with story because that, like, in everything—whether you're parenting, whether you're running a business, whether you're making an investment pitch—it's stories are everything.
0: I agree. And I think stories are the greatest way to handle objections. Like somebody tells me if there's a price objection or there's something in their objection. I, you know, one of the line I give people all the time is like, yeah, I don't know about that. All I know is, and I share another story and it doesn't even always have to be your story. So let's say you're running a business and you know, you get the same price objection or I don't have enough time or I'm a single mom or I already have three businesses. Well, at this point in my life, I'm a collector of other stories too. So I'll be mm-hmm. like, yeah, you know, somebody's like, I don't have enough time to run a side hustle. Yeah, I don't know about that. All I know is my buddy Wayne has five kids, two are special needs, and he, he's a an orthodontist, and he has two practices. But he created this side hustle in a few extra hours a day and created an extra seven figures for his family. Are you that busy? Now, they may not say yes, yeah. but they can't argue with your story or any stories, you know? And so yeah. it, it really is. Telling stories and getting your message across could be talking to your significant other and trying to like make a decision. It could be as a parent. It could be yeah. a teacher. It, it's literally everything in life. And sometimes yeah. it's a sentence like I just gave you. Sometimes it's a three-minute story and sometimes it's a 45-minute keynote. It just depends on what you're trying to get done.
1: Right. I know for me personally, I'm trying to be better at actually creating a story journal. Oh, and, and the reason is in podcasts that I do and as I communicate – I'm realizing ordinary stories are such a powerful way. I mean, there's a reason Jesus used this to yes. teach a lot of his work. It's like, we remember it. And people aren't going to forget the framework, unfortunately, but they're going to remember your story because it was just really draw, you know, drew you in. And so it's really cool that you could weave in your story within that. So, Jimmy, one of the things I want to do before we end up, like wrap this whole thing up is I kind of have the legacy question. Okay. And I know that this ties back into what we're talking about. And I want to give you also, before we end, an ability to just summarize anything else that you want to, to share. But the legacy uh, question pretty much goes like this. This is your last day on earth. You're with the people that you love the most. And you can share with them through one conversation what's on your heart, the things that you've learned. What's that conversation going to be like? What stories would you allude to? And, like, and I'm more curious about the why because the reason I love asking this question is I feel like it's it's one of the best ways to get to the deeper root on why people do what they do.
0: Yeah, that's a great question. And there was just a flood of people that ran through my brain over the past 25 years. And I literally, it's one of those things, all I could, all I could do is picture myself like literally leaning in and grab somebody's shoulders and just like almost nose to nose, looking into like their heart and their soul and just letting them know you matter. Like you matter, you're important because that's what... Little Jimmy didn't feel like he mattered. Little Jimmy didn't feel like he had a place that was safe. He was torn between two families. There was always battling. There were things going on. I didn't feel like I mattered. I felt small. I felt like I didn't have a voice. And if all those people that just flooded through my mind that that I love so deeply, the ones that have impacted me, I want to tell them, thank you, you matter because you impacted me. And the ones that I haven't even worked with yet or haven't got to is, you matter. And I feel like so many people in the world don't feel like they matter. And it may seem oversimplistic, but that's at the end of the day is I want anybody that I work with to know or anybody that I come in contact with, or I want the people that have impacted me to know you matter because there's a piece of me that is who I am because of something you did. And so for me and legacy is just empowering people. And a line I used to use a lot of times in my health and fitness business when I was coaching my team there is it leads over to what I do now as well is I used to tell them, we don't sell health and fitness. We deliver hope to a world that desperately needs it. And that's my legacy is delivering hope to people and letting them know that they matter, giving them a voice, giving them a stage. Because I I was scared to get in front of people. I was scared to speak up and I needed to be empowered. And that's what I want to do for other people as well.
1: That's amazing. And I just want to echo that. Your life matters. That's why we're so big on intentional living. And that's why it's so important to unlock the ability to tell your story. Because I know for me, telling my story didn't got me a mentor who yeah. poured into me that and it's, it's crazy The step. I look back and I'm like, that was a seven figure story. It wasn't a transactional story. It was a long term, but it opened up a door. And so Jimmy, thank you so much for being on here. Anything that you want to end with? And I also know that you you mentioned that you wanted to give on my audience kind of like a free checklist or whatever you call that. I, I want it to know where people can find your stuff, how they can uh, learn more about what you're up to.
0: Absolutely. And I, and I would love for them to have this because right now somebody's listening to this and going, I still don't know. I don't know that my story's enough. I don't know that I believe that I matter and stuff. I'm going to encourage you, go to storywellcrafted.com. I'm just going to run you through a little memory jogger. I'm going to give you a checklist. I'm going to show you that you have a story that can impact people. Maybe it's just the people in your household. Maybe it's just your neighborhood. And there's no just to it. You're impacting another human being, right, depending on what it is. So if you go to storywellcrafted.com, it's a little two-page PDF that's going to take you through a lot of that. Anywhere else on social media or my website, you can go to thecoachjimmy.com or thecoachjimmy on any social media platform. Please reach out to me. I respond to all my stuff. I'm kind of a one-man band here, reaching out and connecting with people. But if I can help you figure out what that story is and how you can impact other people, I'd be happy to.
1: Coach Jimmy, thank you so much for being on the show.
0: Awesome. Thank you so much.
1: Thank you so much for listening to the Better Wealth Podcast. It would mean the world to me if you could hit subscribe, leave a review, and share this with the people that you know and love.